0: So tonight, the title of tonight's teaching is God's Grace and Our Blessings, and we're still in the book of Joshua. The series is God Fulfills His Promise, and tonight um, we're going to be going through chapter 15 through 18, and as I looked at that, I thought, I need to get with whoever's assigned in these chapters. I mean, that's three chapters, and then I didn't have to look far because it's me, so... As we get going tonight, just want to tell you one thing. We're already a little bit behind because we had some extra worship, which is good. So buckle up, Buttercup, because we're going to move through this pretty quick. And I'm going to try to speak so you can hear me and understand me. Sometimes when I talk fast, I get a little bit messed up. But Joshua 15 will show us that God's faithfulness in His Word... And it's the promise blessings, but it also shows us that we have a part as well, our act of faith. We've already talked about that. But we have to have an act of faith to receive those blessings. And part of that is our obedience. You know, God has promised to give Caleb and his descendants an inheritance in the land of Canaan. And in today's text, the promise is fulfilled because God's grace is our blessings, But be encouraged in our journey right now that we have already received our inheritance in Jesus Christ. And we can claim every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1 3 says this Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Praise the Lord for spiritual blessings in Jesus, right? Because we've already received that when we receive the Lord into our life. And since we have this glorious inheritance before us, we need to keep looking up, keeping our eyes focused on Jesus and putting God first in our lives. Because what we do when we value something, we put it first. And we should value our relationship with God because he values that relationship with us. Because the best is yet to come right? Remember in the end, we know how the story is, right? We win. The best is yet to come for us. And you know, and we'll see Caleb providing for the next generation and some of Caleb's daring faith rubbed off on his son-in-law and his daughter as well. And Caleb's example of faith was more value to his family than the property that he claimed for them. As we get older, we must provide for the next generation, not only materially, but also spiritually as well. As the more mature Christ followers, we must be examples of our faith and encourage the younger generation to trust the Lord and to follow Him with all of their hearts. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Joshua chapter 15, verse 1 is where we're going to start. And it says this, the allotment for the tribe of Judah, according to its clans, extended down to the territories of Edom to the desert of Zin and the extreme south. Now this describes in details the borders of the land that's given to the tribe of Judah as we go through chapter 15. But it also includes an extensive list of cities within Judah's territory. A few other important details are found in this chapter. And we'll see the account of Caleb's conquest of Hebron as well. And God's blessings are based upon grace, not our heritage or our status of who we are. It's about God's grace in our lives. So verse 2 says this, Their southern border started from the bay at the southern end of the Dead Sea. Crossed south of Scorpion Pass, continued to Zen, and went over to the south of Kadesh Barnea. Then it ran past Hezron and up to Adar and curved around Kakar. It then passed along Azam and joined the Wadi of Egypt, ending in the Mediterranean Sea. This is their southern. Boundary. Verse 5 says, The eastern boundary is the Dead Sea as far as the mouth of the Jordan. The northern border started from the bay of the sea at the mouth of the Jordan. Now we're going to skip down to verse 12 and we're going to look at more land that's being distributed. And it says this The western boundary is the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. Now these are the boundaries around the people of Judea and their clans. This is far more space that was given here in their inheritance to the tribe of Judah than allotted to the rest of them because God blesses those who are faithful and obedient. This list of towns and cities is extensive, and it's marked by the southern border, the southern tip of the Dead Sea, and it ran south about 55 miles down to Beersheba. Now in verse 13, it says, In accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave Caleb, son of Jephunneh, a portion in Judah, Kareth Araba, is Hebron. Araba was the forefather of Anak. From Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites, Shisha, Aham, and Talaman, the sons of Anak. From there, he marched against the people living in Derby, formerly called Kerith-Sephir. Now we get a clear picture of the land of Israel. The inheritance included much more territory than they had occupied at this time. And this land did not always come easy. And God made it very clear to them before they even crossed the Jordan River that he would give them every place that they put their feet upon. In Joshua 1.3 it said this, I will give you every place where you set your foot, I promised Moses, because victory and success come from our Lord to all those who are faithful and obedient. Our victory comes from the Lord. And every acre within this land that was promised to them was a gift from God. This inheritance, the land would be theirs to occupy in obedience to God's will. The application here is very clear. It's our obedience as well. It's about obedience. Everything we have, including the breath that we breathe, is a gift from God. Our talents, our resources, our gifts are to be used in our day to day walk in faith. We are to be constantly alert and on the guard for unconquered territories, conquered, unconquered territories for us to take. And what I mean is this the hungry are to be fed orphans and the widows are to be taken care of. The victims of economic and social injustice must be aided, and the homeless should be taken care of, In all people everywhere. In Philippians 4, 6, it says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Pray and ask for both your needs and for the needs of others. Pray for your needs, but boldly ask for, pray for the needs of others in our community because they need to hear about Jesus Christ so that everyone has the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus. Because you and I, we're the examples of that shining, bright, shining light of Christ in a dark and broken world. And for all of us, this is part of our inheritance that we can claim through Jesus. Our day-to-day walk in obedience with the Lord, sharing in the work that the Lord is being part of, sharing in that work with Him, His divine plan for our world is one of the greatest joys that we could ever receive as a Christ follower. Most certainly, God should speak the word, and his word would be accomplished immediately. But you and I are a part of his plan, and he graciously gives us the privilege of working with him to make our world a better place because of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 16, it says, And Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aska in marriage to the man who tax and captures Carith Sefer, Othaniel, son of Kenziah, Caleb's brother, took it. So Caleb gave his daughter Aska to him in marriage. One day she came to Othaniel. She urged him to ask her father for a field. When she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what can I do for you? She replied, do me a special favor. Since you have given me the land in the give, give me also springs of water. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. This is the inheritance of the tribe of Judah according to its clans. As a member of the tribe of Judah, we once again see Caleb. And Caleb was not only a man that was great and bold with his deeds, he was also a man who encouraged others to be great and bold in their deeds as well. He did this by offering his daughter in marriage to the man who was bold enough to conquer the city for her. And also Caleb's daughter imitated her father's boldness in asking for her blessing as well. She did not hesitate to ask her father for those choice springs. And that boldness we should have as well when it comes to our heavenly father. We should have a boldness to ask our father. In James 4, 2 it says this, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask God with wrong motives. Be bold with humility, with thanksgiving, and present your requests to God. Be bold. Ask our Heavenly Father. Bring your petition to Him. And as we look at Caleb in these scriptures, I believe there's an interesting parallel with Caleb that can be drawn. I think Caleb kind of goes alongside of almost being like the Holy Spirit. And the reason I say that is because Caleb was one of the 12 spies that went and traveled into the land, the promised land, with Joshua, right? Those two went there. And he, Caleb went with Joshua. And you know that Joshua is a picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Yeshua. So Caleb went with him. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit... Is to point people to Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 12, 3, it says this, Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to point people not to himself, but to Jesus. And that's what Caleb was doing there. Caleb also was victorious over these giants, just as the Holy Spirit gives us victory over our giants today. There's giants in each one of our lives, and the Holy Spirit gives us victory over those. And also here, Caleb provided both the upper and the lower springs for his daughter. And I look at that, and that looks like a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit. These two streams... Jesus said in John 7:38, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. God blesses those who thirst for righteousness. And Caleb was like that. Jesus said, let him come to me and rivers of flowing water will flow through them. And Caleb's daughter, she didn't only want the lower spring, she wanted both of them. And that's for us today. We want all of Jesus. We want everything, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all three of them. And when I look at this for the Christian us, when we look at this, Oscar represents a woman who was not to be denied her full inheritance, just like us. We're not to be denied that because our full inheritance is in Jesus Christ. But she modeled and resembled a woman in the gospel who sought out Jesus and refused to be turned back by the crowds or the disciples. As a result, they found salvation, healing, and blessings for themselves and their families. These two springs, these two springs is a double portion, and God can provide a double portion in blessings to each and every one of us as well. Caleb's daughter, like the church, was rewarded for her quest for living waters. And she received them just like we do. We receive the Holy Spirit and that living water inside of us so that we will never thirst again. And finally, Caleb's name literally means dog. And I can't help but think this because I thought about this the other night. It came to me as I was in our prayer night. But dog, the hound of heaven. We think about that the Holy Spirit tracking people down, convicting them of their sins, and letting them know that God loves them. So Caleb resembles that. And the remainder of this chapter 15 continues to describe the boundaries of the tribe of Judah. Jump down to verse 63. And it says this, Judah could not dislodge the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day, the Jebusites live there with the people of Judah. The inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out. It was an incomplete occupation. Jerusalem remains in Canaanite hands. And we can understand why Jerusalem was a hard city to conquer. The fact that it was set on a hill, it was easy to defend. And when you see Scripture, it's always talking about ascending to Jerusalem. I was just in Jerusalem, and I can tell you everything's uphill both ways, just to let you know. But that's what it is. It was a hard city because it was uphill. No matter how hard the struggle, with God's promises and God's help, we can triumph over our adversaries. We're overcomers because we have faith and trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter about the situations. It matters about the God of those situations. Now in chapter 16, it describes God's inheritance for the descendants of Joseph within the promised land. While some might read this as simply a dry list of ancient city names, the details of this account are important because they fulfill prophecy that God laid out through Jacob or Israel, in Genesis 48 and 49. And I want to encourage you, because we're not going to go through all that tonight, but to read through chapter 16 and see all that. But as we go through this, from the fulfillment of these prophecies, God reveals several important lessons about His blessings, both here and in heaven. So let's take a look at Genesis 48, 12. And I'll start there. It says, Then Joseph removed them from Israel's knee and bowed down with his face to the ground. And Joseph took both of them, Ephraim on his right toward Israel's left hand, and Manassas on the left toward Israel's right hand, and brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head, though he was the younger and crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was first born. Now, Joseph carefully positioned them so that Manasseh was on Jacob's right side and Ephraim was on his left side, pronouncing that the blessings would be on them. And Jacob prepared to bless Joseph's son by placing his hand on them. And all of a sudden it was, wait a minute, Dad, Joseph's saying, you're confused Manasseh is the firstborn, therefore your right hand should be on his head. In Genesis 48, 19, here's the reply. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He too will become a people and he too will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will become greater than he and his descendants will become a group of nations." Jacob, he said, Abraham said, I know what I'm doing. He insisted. And this is the way with God. God knows what he's doing in our lives. He knows. But it's interesting when you look at the secondborns in Scripture, because it was Abel, not Cain, who was blessed, even though Cain was the firstborn. Jacob and Esau were twins, but Esau was the older. Jacob, however, was the blessed one. Ishmael was Abraham's firstborn. Isaac, however, was the child of the promise. This is a pattern. This is a theme throughout scriptures that we see. And why is that? Does this show us that God forgets about our firstborn and blesses our secondborn kids? No, it's not about that at all. It's not about the secondborn kids. It's about our lives. It's about the lives that we lead. Jesus told Nicodemus this in John 3.3. 3. He said this, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Our first life is forgotten. Our new life is what God focuses on and blesses. God wants all of his people to have their inheritance. And all believers should have that inheritance. Nothing from our first birth should hinder us from claiming all that Jesus Christ has for each and every one of us. Paul told the Corinthians this in Corinthians 5, 1 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is Is here being born again, our second life in Christ is the blessed life, not our first. It's the life that we have when we receive Jesus Christ into our lives. Now in chapter 16, it says this: the allotment for Joseph began at the Jordan east of the springs of Jericho, and went up from there through the desert into the hill country of Bethel. It went down from Bethel, that is Luz, crossed over to the territory. Of the Arkites and Erethites, descendants westward to the territory of the Japhethites, as far as the region of the lower Beth Horon, and to the Gezer ending in the Mediterranean Sea. So Manassas and Ephron, the descendants of Joseph, received their inheritance. This was the territory of Ephraim according to his clan. You know, God is so faithful to fulfill his promises. And the blessings that he fulfills are by his grace and his grace alone. Now jump down to verse 10 and it says this. They did not dislodge the Canaanites living in Gezer. To this day, Canaanites live among the people of Ephraim, but are required to do forced labor. Even within the promised land and for us today, there still is important battles for us And there are still important fights. Perhaps the people of Ephraim were guilty and they compromised because they wanted this forced labor. Even this inconvenience does not justify the disobedience to God's commands. If they had the power to make them their laborers, certainly they could have defeated them. And this sort of compromise seems very innocent. These little things that we compromise in our lives seem very innocent at first, but then they become much more than that. It becomes idolatry or immoral worship. And that's what the people of Israel were doing. The point is we're called to be obedient and not compromise the truth of the gospel. God blesses those who are faithful and obedient. Compromising the truth in God's word could be one reason that so many people have struggles in this world. And then in verse in chapter 17, it's, this is the distribution of the land among the remaining families and tribes in Manassas. Verse 17 says this: This was an allotment for the tribe of Manassas as Joseph's firstborn, that is, for Makar, Manasseh's firstborn. Was the ancestor of the Gileites and received Gilead and Bashan because the Marachites were great soldiers. This inheritance was granted to the descendants of Nassai, their firstborn son, for their faith in battle. He reveals that their inheritance is based on their faith. And that's the same with us it's about our faith and the battles that we have each and every day. The book of Joshua illustrates what it means to move into and live out a spirit-filled life of faith. The people of Israel were set free from bondage in Egypt the night that the blood was placed on the doorposts of their homes. And we were set free as well from that bondage when the lamb's blood of the doorpost of our hearts, when it was placed there. It's about obedience in the presence of our Lord tell you a quick story. Our oldest daughter, um, she's a person that has a very strong will and she's fiercely independent. And obedience and discipline were a problem for her. They still are to this day and they always have been from the very beginning. So we look for ways to try to discipline her, try to help her along that way. Finally, we discovered a way to do that. And when she misbehaved, we would send her to her room. We would ground her, right? Anybody been grounded before? Anybody know what that is? Well, years ago, going to your room when you didn't have any social media, being grounded was a whole different thing. But that's what we did. You know, go to your room till you see what you've done wrong. And when you know what you've done wrong, come back. But there was an issue there. She couldn't take being separated from the family. That separation from the family was the worst punishment that she could ever have, not being in the presence. That separation spurred her to obedience because she became obedient and more disciplined because she knew that that separation would come. And as you and I love God and we want to be obedient to him. Being obedient to him, being the best so that we can receive the blessings of the presence of God in our lives. Just to be in his presence is a blessing. This obedience that we have or that we don't have can separate us from God. Sin separates us from God. Our obedience is in direct connection with our desire to be in the presence of God and to have his presence in our lives each and every day. We want to have the best life that we can have. We want to be fruitful for the kingdom. We want to do that. We want the presence of the Lord with us. And what happens when we're obedient? Obedience creates room in our lives for the presence of God. The presence of God is there. Now in verse 3, it says this, Now Zeophahad, son of Hepher, the son of Gilead, the son of Machar, the son of Manassas, had no sons but only daughters the inheritance of his daughters. The daughters had this petition, and they wanted their fair inheritance. And this is noted in text because it's unusual for women to receive an inheritance back then. It was more important for the the land to remain in the ancestral families than it was to follow the custom to give it to the sons. Therefore, the daughters of Zephlad could inherit their father's land, and they wanted that. Verses 7 through 13 shows the boundaries of the western half of the tribe of Manassas, their incomplete occupation of the land. Yet the children of Manassas could not drive these people out. Their failure is after the same pattern of the tribe of Ephraim. Of course, the Canaanites could have determined to dwell in the land, but what was lacking was a complete determination of the people of Israel. And then verses 14 through 18, Joshua answers the complaints of Joseph's sons. In verse 14, it says, The people of Joseph said to Joshua, Why have you given us only allotment and one portion for an inheritance? We are a numerous people, and the Lord has blessed us abundantly. If you are so numerous, Joshua answered, and if the hill country in Ephraim is too small for you, Go up to the forest and clear the land for yourselves. There's the land of the Perizzites, the repatites, probably the termites and all them too. They're all up there as well. But the people of Joseph replied, The hill country is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites who lived in the plains have chariots fitted with iron, both those in Bethshan and its settlement and those in the valley of Jezreel. But Joshua said to the tribes of Joseph, to Ephraim and Nassib, you are a numerous and very powerful. You will not have one allotment, but the forest hill country as well. Clear it and its farthest limits will be yours. Though the Canaanites have chariots fitted with iron, though they are strong, you can drive them out. Rather than rebuking these tribes, for their slothfulness, for their being lazy, Joshua encourages the tribes to seize their inheritance that was already available to them. And I believe that Joshua was very wise in his statements, and it was wonderful. He tells them, you're a great people. Then go to the land yourself. Fully occupy what the Lord has given you. And those are words of wisdom for us today. Those are words for us. Joshua and Caleb's example of encouragement and faith provides lessons for each and every one of us. God wants us to encourage others to seize the blessings and the promises that He offers, the salvation that He offers through Jesus Christ. And this principle applies just as strongly today as it did then. To be obedient, encourage others to seize their spiritual inheritance through Jesus Christ, to receive him into their lives. And now chapter 18, told you we're going to try to get through it. Now they're looking at Shiloh, and Joshua talks about to the remaining tribes there at Shiloh, and it says this, The whole assembly of the Israelites gathered at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The country was brought under their control, but there were still seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. As soon as the tribe of Ephraim had received its inheritance, Joshua commanded the whole congregation to assemble at Shiloh. And why does he establish this camp at Shiloh? It says that he set up a tent of meeting there. This was a set up a tabernacle of the land that they conquered so that they could worship Jehovah. It was time to worship, and it was a place that they could regularly observe Jehovah and worship him. Verse 3 says this, so Joshua said to the Israelites, how long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land the Lord, your God, your ancestors has given you? Why would you want to possess their land? Why would you not want to possess that land? And why is Joshua prodding them on to do this? Whatever the exact reason, we don't know, but it looked like there was neglect. They were neglecting this. They did not fulfill what God had called them to do. And God wants to bless us, but he wants us to seize our inheritance without delay. He doesn't want us to wait. He wants us to receive Jesus Christ today because today is the day of salvation. We can't delay with that. In verse four, it says, appoint three men from each tribe, and I will send them out to make a survey of the land and to write a description of it according to the inheritance of each. Then they will return to me. You are to divide the land into seven parts. Judah is to remain in its territory on the south and the tribes of Joseph and the territories of the north. After you have written descriptions of the seven parts of the land, bring them to me. And I will cast lots in the presence of our Lord God. The point of this exercise, I believe, was to ensure that God was in control of all their decisions. Just like us, do we ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us in our lives? Joshua was making sure that God was in their decision-making process, just like he needs to be in our decision-making process as well. In verse 7, it says, The Levites, however, did not get a portion among you because the priestly service of the Lord is their inheritance. Their blessings and our blessings come from a relationship with God. It's about a relationship with God. It's about prayer. It's about worship, serving and helping other people. And God wants us to choose an inheritance in him versus an inheritance in the world, the things of this world. Verses 9 through 10 talk about how they returned, the survey party returned. And then in 11 through 28, the boundaries of the city and the tribes for Benjamin it talks about that. While Joshua could have recorded in one sentence that the men did as God had commanded them, he recorded that their obedience as an example to each and every one of us. They were obedient in following the commands of our Lord. The three leaders from each of these tribes symbolizes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The number seven that they talked about symbolized their complete obedience and submission to God and his will in their lives. Jesus also wants our complete obedience and submission as we surrender our lives over to him. All this may seem tedious to us, but it certainly was not tedious to those who would possess this land because God will bless those who are faithful to him. The amount of territories that is received increased based upon the increased size from their obedience. While the Jews, their first king was a failure, God would also raise up the future Jewish king, Jesus, who will bring peace. Jesus will rule in the future as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he will reign as king and act wisely And do justice and righteousness in our land. God will bless us because he is faithful to keep his promise. And God does not want any of us to perish. And when a promise is kept, living is enjoyable experience. But we must participate in those promises. We have to be obedient to God's word and his will In our lives. And if there's someone here that doesn't have that relationship, that wants to claim that relationship with our Lord and Savior tonight, I want to give you that opportunity. If you just bow your heads and say, Lord, I want to have that relationship with you. I want to claim the inheritance in Jesus Christ today because the day is a day of salvation. I don't want to delay one minute and be separated from you because of my disobedience. I want to be obedient to you. If that's you, it's between you and God. Just raise your hand. You want to receive that in your heart. Jesus Christ, that inheritance for all eternity. Just pray this prayer with me. Father, We thank you for your grace and your blessings in our lives. And Father, today I won't delay any longer to receive your inheritance. I receive Jesus Christ into my life. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins, and I repent of those sins and turn away from my old life. And I want that second life, that born-again life, the life that is blessed through Jesus Christ. I want to receive the inheritance and everything you have to offer. I want to receive your blessings and your grace in my life. I love you and I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.